Welcome to another edition of the Paladin Infusion Huddle. Reminder that this huddle offers you tips and tricks that you can implement into your daily practice. So why don't we go ahead and let's get this ball rolling. COVID-19, a little refresher here for everyone. So during every visit, you should be wearing your universal PPE, which constitutes of covering your nose, mouth, and eyes. That would be a mask plus goggles or a mask and a face shield. In the event that your patient had a positive COVID screening, then you would elevate your PPE status to wearing an N95 and covering your face. Patients and families should also be wearing their masks during a visit, especially if it's with the, if they're within uh, the perimeter, uh, like within six feet of you. Um, when you're asking your COVID screening questions the night prior to your visit, make sure to remind your patients that they and their family members uh, that are in the home should wear a mask during the visit. For palliative care, I wanted to make sure that we are taking some special attention to the palliative care patients as more and more patients are coming on service for palliative care. So I want to make sure that we're adding the appropriate forms to your assessments. So you can, uh, when you open up your contact up at the very top, there's a little wrench that says add, uh, remove forms. And then you would enter your ESAS, E-S-A-S, and then your palliative care assessment. You also want to make sure that you uh, check off the yes button which basically makes sure uh, ensures that the forms will be available for other clinicians um, or yourself to see on upcoming visits. As for the care plans, uh, there are palliative care specific care plans. Uh, these care plans can be found if you type in PHPC. Uh, when you click enter, you'll see all of the palliative care uh, care plans that exist. Uh, that includes patient specific goals. Uh, which is specific to the pot of care. And then um, you can check off every, you know, any or all interventions that are appropriate for that patient. If you have any questions regarding this, please refer back to the slide deck from our September monthly meeting. And I'm currently having badge buddies completed um, where you will have this information on the on one side and on the other side will be the decision tree on how to contact uh, Tyra Benziker, our nurse practitioner. Moving on to confirming visits with FIT. So this is something that we've talked about a couple of times. I just wanted to make sure that uh, we're continuing to follow this process. I would say we are coming up on about one month since we've initiated this process. So far, I have to say we've been doing a great job. So I thank you all for following the process uh, in confirming visits uh, with our infusion patients. These are specific to chemo hookup and chemo takedown visits. So you're confirming the next clinic visit and or chemo hookup date. You're making sure that the patient is on the schedule for that date. And then you're ensuring that there's a chemo takedown on the schedule that corresponds to the hookup. Um, enter the in the appointment note uh, would be, for example, a chemo takedown or chemo hookup. For your long infusions and high dollar drugs, same thing. Uh, confirming the next visit while you're in the home. Ensure that the visit is on the schedule. Adjust it if you need to. Um, if the patient says, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not available that day or uh, really, the patient should be seeing their case manager uh, pretty much almost every visit. So in this case, you know, if a patient wants a specific date, but you're the case manager and you happen to be off, maybe you guys can come up with a mutual agreement on um, a different day where you are working and the patient is available. Once you do that, you want to make sure that you adjust the schedule as uh, needed, and then you enter the appropriate uh, appointment note. So for example, Remicade, and then your time frame. 
So remember that time frames are from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., 12 p.m. to 4 p.m., and then anytime after 4 p.m. I highly encourage you using this uh, these time frames even for some other patients like intivio patients um, where it might not be a high-dollar drug, uh, but it still gives us a, uh, the schedulers and, uh, and myself a good inclination of when the patient is looking to be seen. So that way when Jody is looking at the schedule, she can see, oh, that, you know, you have an intibio that is looking for 8 a.m. to 12, but maybe that patient is on Jeff's schedule, but Jeff starts at 12, and so we know that we are going to have to move that patient. Um, or perhaps you have two tacrolimus level patients and then an intibio who's looking to be seen between 8 and 12, and we know that that's obviously not going to be very possible, so we then can uh, work with you to adjust your schedule. So I, again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, following the process, we're coming up on one month, and so far we've been doing really well. Um, we haven't had any glitches in the schedule, so um, I'd like to say that so far, so good. It's working. Uh, keep it up. So wounds, changing gears a little bit here, uh, should be measured. Wounds, again, should be measured on admission at the time of a resumption of care and weekly on Wednesdays. We've actually coined Wound Care Wednesdays. Look out for an email coming uh, from... I believe it's Diane Bazone on uh, Wound Care Wednesdays uh, with little tips uh, to wound care. These are really helpful. Um, I know that Marcia then forwards them to all the teams. Uh, we'll look at a method to kind of integrate that into practice and maybe have that available to you in a different format than just email. Uh, more to come on that. Um, helpful. It is helpful uh, when you're seeing patients with these wounds. If you can take some pictures, uh, measure them, of course. Uh, when you're taking your picture, when you're taking the picture, even if you hold the ruler up just for reference of size, uploading these pictures into Haiku is very helpful um, for pretty much everyone involved in this patient's care, uh, in, in, including uh, Jenna. Um, so that leads me to my next point, which is really Jenna should be consulted on just about every wound um, if they are present on admission or during a resumption of care. And then if you feel that the wound is not getting any better, uh, please make sure to reach out to Jenna, send her an email and just have her, uh, you know, pick her brains on, on what can be done there. Um, I know Jenna has been available to do visits in person. She's also been available via FaceTime, uh, virtually when the clinicians are in the home. So um, really great use of technology there. Um, so thank you, Jenna, for everything that you've been uh, doing for um, all three teams uh, related to wound care. Um, wound care does not, so I will say within the realm of wound care, we're not just uh, being specific to wounds, but uh, also in terms of contacting Jenna, you can also reach out to Jenna on um, ostomy patients, especially specifically new ostomies. All right, so practice alert. I would like to bring this up, uh, the next two topics up as a practice alert and a little storytelling for you. So the first one is uh, chemo pumps. I want to remind everyone that when you're going out to see patients for chemo hookups, um, the pumps that are in the home should remain locked. They come locked from fit. They should never be unlocked. Uh, the only reason that they would be unlocked is if there is some type of alarm that is uh, then asking for you to enter a lock code. Uh, you can then unlock it. You should be on the phone with pharmacy, uh, unlock the pump, and then make sure that you can help, you know, maybe they can help resolve uh, said alarm. And then the pump should be locked again. We did have one instance recently where a clinician was in the home doing a chemo hookup, was on the phone doing a double check, and they noticed that the pump was unlocked. So that's never a good thing. Uh, so good catch uh, on that part. 
And the other piece of that is you want to make sure that when you're uh, doing your chemo takedowns, that you're clearing the pump and restoring the settings uh, on that pump. So the pump is ready to go for the next time the patient goes to clinic. They just have to uh, put in the batteries, you know, put in the batteries the correct way um, or put in new batteries and then they can just hook up. Uh, reminder that the clinician codes should never be handed out to patients. I know that that was uh, something that was occurring or occurred a couple of times in uh, in PA. Um, so just a reminder there, please do not hand those out to patients because those are specifically for us clinicians. Uh, storytelling. So we had a little incident happen recently that I wanted to share with everyone, and I think it brings light to uh, lab collection and the importance of checking uh, date of birth, MRN, and name uh, while you're or when you're col uh, collecting your labs. So uh, the picture here is a nurse goes out to the home to draw labs, confirms name and date of birth with the patient, fills that out on the lab requisition form, and then uh, opens up the folder, looks at the you know labels and whatever form. Uh, I guess the, you know, rec of either a previous requisition form or an order requisition form that is in the home that has a physician's name, the MPI number, and then the patient's MRN number. Uh, clinician copies that information onto this new lab requisition form that day that she's drawing labs. Labs gets picked up by the courier. They go down to HUP. Labs do not result the following day. Clinician reaches out to FIT. FIT reaches out to scheduling. Can we redraw labs because no labs have been resulted? FIT also reaches out to the lab specifically asking uh, where, you know, if they can search for the lab, lab uh, manager reports that they cannot find the specimens. After further investigation, it was found that the patient name and date of birth was correct. The address for the patient was correct on the lab requisition form. However, the MRN that was copied onto the new requisition form was an MRN that belonged to a different patient, um, the or it was just a different MRN altogether. So um, when when looked at side by side, it was the same same patient, first name, last name. The date of birth was the same except for the year was had a difference of one of one year. So uh, for example, it was something like September first of nineteen eighty six was the actual date of birth, and September first of nineteen eighty seven was what uh, was correlated with this uh, wrong MRN number. And that's just an example. I actually don't even know what the date of birth was. Um, and the address for this uh, that was corresponding to the wrong MR to this other MRN number was different. So um, what could have happened is either it was two different patients or this MRN number was probably, uh, an old MRN number that uh, belonged to this patient, and perhaps it was just uh, a wrongful entry of a date of birth, and so they had to clear that out and enter some, you know, an, the new enter uh, the patient again with the with the correct date of birth and uh, updated address. Uh, either is is either could have happened. However, the the point of the story here is that the uh, lab specimen had to be canceled, and then we had to redraw a specimen on this patient. A safety net was entered. However, it is a level E, which is harm was done to the patient um, in the sense that we now uh, put the patient through a procedure that they didn't would otherwise not need um, because of a um, 
because of an incorrect, uh, you know, filling out of, of the lab requisition form. So um, further dive into this, the, the moral of the story here is really, you need to, you really should confirm the name and date of birth with the patient uh, alongside with what's in Epic and the lab slip that you're, you know, the lab labels that are in the house. Uh, and then when you're um, at that time, you should also be confirming the MRN number. So again, so name, date of birth, MRN, you're looking at the lab label, you're looking at Epic, uh, and you're making sure that it all matches what the um, from when you're talking to the patient. All right, this is really imperative so that we can narrow down um, issues that we've had with labs. There are some other issues that we've been having with labs, but ones that are that are within our control, um, like this one, is really important that we get that down. So, um, thank you for. Um, the nurse to who this happened, I appreciate you allowing me to share this story. I think that it's valuable information to share with the team uh, and just making sure that, you know, um, we get this right and that this doesn't happen in the future. All right. Well, that's all I have for you today. Again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out. I'm always looking for content to add to our huddles. So if something comes up, um, that you'd like to share that you think it's valuable to share with the rest of the team. Remember that this is a learning environment. We're here to learn from each other. Um, and whenever you make a mistake, it's also a good opportunity to learn for yourself, for my, for me, for others. Um, so feel free to share. And if you have anything, like I said, if you have anything, let me know. We can share here uh, within our huddle. Otherwise, have a great weekend and we will meet again next week. Intentions, easy up.